Principal Matters Podcast, episode 329. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I'm back with my co-host, Jen Schwanke from Dublin, Ohio, the author of three great books. I should say Dr. Jen (laughs) Schwanke. And today we're going to be talking about the question, how do you set and reach goals for your personal and professional growth? Jen, as this recording comes out, we'll be somewhere in February probably. And I don't know about you, but the beginning of a year is the time when I think the most about goals. Although it is kind of weird in the school world because sometimes my goals are yearly and sometimes they're school yearly. I've never said that before, but I just did. And so I just, so I know that I have goals that I think about every year when I think about the annual school year, the annual year, like we just started 2023, but I also have like goals that I know I don't start till July one that will circle all the way down to June 30th of, of the following year. So I don't know about you when you set goals, if if those two parameters come in mind for you, but I wanted to go there today because I know you've got practices and I know I've got practices and I hear from other leaders about their practices. So I thought it would be, just be fun to sit on that question today. How do you set and reach goals for your professional and personal growth? Well, and Will, when we decided to use this as a topic, it was because we had been, we are asked frequently independently and then together uh, through the Principal Matters podcast about opportunities and about next steps and about feeling restless or about feeling overwhelmed. And all of those things just tend to make us think about, you know, what we're going to do personally and professionally. So I hope we're answering a question for leaders as well as we talk about this. Well, I I, I want to come back and, um, and just probe a little bit into the Jen Schwanke mind because I have to be honest, when I wrote this question, I was really curious what you're going to say, because you and I have worked together now for a very long time. And I've never asked, asked you that question. <laughs> like, how do you set the goals? How do you, I mean, you write a lot, you've just finished your doctoral, your, your doctorate degree. And so I'm just curious, Jen, like, why don't you start first? What are some things that come to your mind when you think about you, how you set your own personal and professional goals? Well, and let's, if you don't mind, let's back up one moment. We were talking, you had talked a couple of episodes ago about me getting my doctorate. And then um, you also had a blog post and an episode to wrap up 2022 about what's going to happen in your professional life going forward. And so this seems like the perfect time, not only to talk about ourselves, but to talk about other people too, and about how you set goals. So, you know, a lot of, one of the restrictions of being in education is it can feel a little bit like you reach a place and that's it, that there's nowhere else to go or no one else, nothing else to do. I hear this from principals a lot. A lot of them say, I don't want to go the central office route, but I don't want to go back and teach either. Now I do know, let's just take a moment and have a good giggle. I presented to a group of new principals a couple months ago, and I said to them, how many of you in this first year have thought to yourself to comfort yourself? I could always go back and teach. And every one of them, about 200 people raised their hand. They, they, they want to have that as an escape hatch, but most principals really do enjoy the role and they want to stay there. But, but especially those principals who get into the role early and young, 
they might not necessarily want to be a principal for 30 more years. And so mm-hmm. I think that brings us to your question, which is about goals. And mm-hmm. I used to be one of those people that I kind of rolled my eyes about goals. I thought, oh, you know, setting goals, what you, just, you can keep it in your head. I now am a convert. I believe in writing them down. I really do. And I, the, the important goals that I have met in the past couple of years, the goals that I'm most proud of, all of them I wrote down in um, at a moment of personal crisis. I was at a crossroads professionally and personally, and my mother actually gave me a leather bound journal and I didn't really have anything to put in it or anything to say. So I opened it up and I wrote down what I wanted to achieve by age 50. And mm-hmm. then I closed it and put it away, but it was there. And I looked at it a few times just to keep myself grounded. And um, I'm 49 now and I'm going to do it again for, you know, maybe age 52. So it was a, it was a step I took and I am, again, I believe in it. I believe in writing them down. I do too. Um, I'm remembering, I've told this story to listeners before, but I'm going to tell it again because it reminds me of the one you just told, but I remember um, being in my forties and being in my principalship role and feeling pretty comfortable. Um, And I was having dinner. It was like a, I think it was a a gathering of people from our church, but I was at a dinner and there was a young man there who was about 20 years my uh, younger than I was. And he was celebrating that he and his wife had just had their first two children. Um, he had just started a small business. Um, his wife had just finished her degree and I was celebrating with him. I was like, oh, this, what an exciting time of life. And, and you've reached so many goals already and you're so young. And I said, I remember when I was your age and I would set these certain goals for, for myself and my family and he looked at me with with um, the most innocent expression because he had no idea how hard this question was going to be on me. And he said, that's great, Will. So what are your goals now, like for the next five or 10 years? And I remember being stumped. <laughs> I looked at him and thought in my brain, I've well, I've done all the things that I've been working on for so long. And, and the only thing I could say honestly to him was, well, right now I'm just trying to survive. Right. And, <laughs> but I walked away from that conversation haunted, Jen, because I realized that here I was celebrating with someone who had pursued and reached these goals. And there's nothing wrong with contentment, by the way. I don't want to ever give anyone the impression that that being comfortable is a, is a bad thing. But what I walked away haunted by was the fact that I had stopped thinking about growth. I had stopped thinking about that next thing. And so in, in anybody who's listened to this podcast knows that's about the time when I started blogging and post all the things that I started doing to, to kind of push myself in growth was began with that conversation of someone looking at me and asking me, where are you going? Where are you growing next? But I love that you, your answer was, I'm just trying to survive because I think that's a wonderful goal. (laughs) I remember acutely when I had my two children and I had two miscarriages that devastated me and I had, you know, I was working as a principal, but I was getting through the days. And I think that's fine. I think it's okay to, especially if you're going through anything, you know, aging parents or young children or Mm -hmm. um, even older children in crisis who need you. It's okay to write down that your goal is to have a good year, to have a good day, to have a good month, whatever. It's, I think a lot of, of us go through those times and I would never want this podcast to be misunderstood as Will and Jen pushing anyone beyond what, what they're able to do. Because sometimes again, just 
just doing well with where you are is, is fine. So I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I, I've been in that place too, but to your point, I think you have to think about the goal in terms of the outcome that you want, and you have to look look, look farther. Um, you know, again, if you give yourself some years of grace, that's okay. But where do you want to be at 40? Where do you want to be at 50 at 60 at 80? And I think some of the, um, ways that trip people up is if they don't start with that outcome in mind. And I, I think anything can be on the table. As you answer that question, it can be just personal fulfillment or contentment. It could be, um, to reach a place of personal and professional balance. It could be money. Um, you know, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it, but be just the way I was raised money is something that's important to me. And I've, I, um, I think it's okay to say that it could be a certain level of education. It could be moving somewhere, having a whole different career, whatever, you know, Nothing is really off the table, but you have to start with the outcome. Mm, I agree. I, I, I want to, um, there are, there are reasons I tell stories. So I'm going to extend, um, this conversation into another story that happened, um, shortly after that encounter that I had with that young man, um, our, uh, the minister from our church invited a group of men to do a weekend getaway, like a retreat thing. And I had been I've attended stuff like that before. And I thought, well, this would be a good time to do something like that. I mean, I've just been challenged to think about my future. How about a weekend of reflection? So we went away to a, to a place that was outside of the city and it was beautiful, connected to nature. And, but I was really surprised because the first morning we got together um, to have breakfast and then look at the agenda, the agenda was here's some um, reading I want to do this morning. And then I want you to just take the rest of the day for quiet reflection and journaling and time alone. It was, it really was a retreat. It was like permission to just think. And one of the pra practices that he gave us is something, Jen, that I've just held on to. And it was a, it was a review of the following things. Um, and I've written these down because I've used them ever since. The, 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 he asked us to think about what were the major milestones that you have faced this past year? think about the major milestones, the, the, you know, because sometimes we fail to stop and just celebrate some of the right. accomplishments. And so that's a great practice. The, the second thing he asked us to, to consider was what were some of the most positive outcomes that you experienced this past year too? So, cause milestones and, and outcomes aren't always the same thing. A milestone could be, I turned 50. Um, an outcome could be something that I'm proud of that I actually saw accomplished. The third thing was what's the most difficult challenges you faced during this past year, because then you're reflecting on the hard parts of the struggles. Right, right. And then the fourth question was, what were the major lessons you learned? And so being able to think about the milestones, the outcomes, the challenges, and then apl applying those to what lessons did I learn through this process? And then came the fifth question, what are your goals for the coming year? And so it was such a great practice because it had been a long time since I had had space to think about the and so from that, I was able to sit down and just think about my personal life, my family life, my social life, my physical life, my job, and to think about the goals that touched each of those, not just my career, but also myself personally, physically, emotionally, mentally, my, my parenting, my, my uh, marriage um, in partnership with my wife, my friendships, which sometimes I forget about those, um, and, and, and also um, 
you know, those, those things about myself that I neglect to my nutrition, all those things are part of it. And then, you know, my career is a part. So I know, you know, this Jen, because you and I've talked so much about things outside of work affect the things that we do in work, but that was a helpful practice for me to think about um, giving myself permission to reflect before thinking about what's next. Right. I, we don't do that enough. We don't take enough time. You know, there's, there's noise everywhere and that noise prohibits smooth and clear clarity of thought, I think. So, you know, maybe you had to go on a retreat and leave town and get out in nature to do it. I think that that's, you know, to give uh, ourselves that gift, it, it will lead to more meaningful and measurable and um, achievable goals. I see too, well, a lot of um, people, just because I have finished the doctoral journey, a lot of people ask me about that. And so let's take a moment and think about goals and using education as a path to those goals. You know, we, us educators, many of us started in school when we were about three and never left, right? And so that seems like a very safe and um, recognizable way to meet goals. And I think that's great. I think it's, it's valid. Many people though, they, they wonder, is my next thing a master's degree or a second master's degree or a doctorate or whatever? And I, I think, um, yes, that's, I think it's an important thing to think through, but I also challenge people to don't do that just because it feels safe. Um, it might be your path, but it also might not be. So just worth thinking about. Well, I want to um, circle back to some practical things to Jen. What are some things that you do on a practice? Because when I think back to that story that I told, not everybody has time to go on a retreat. Not everybody has time to go hide away. Um, but I will say that I have tried to carve out time in my life, sometimes just in my bedroom or in the morning before the kids wake up or um an hour after work when I finally have time to breathe, you know, I try to carve out times where I can think about my goals and think about those things too. What are some of the practical ways that you think about outcomes and that you think about your own growth? I am someone like most of us who fill any silence. And so I have to push myself to not do that. So as an example, I run and I love to listen to audiobooks. It makes the time go really fast, but sometimes I force myself to leave the air, you know, the ear, earphones, headphones, what am I trying to say? AirPods, leave those at home and just have a run with just me and my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that's guaranteed time where I have to think in a linear way and I can't disappear into the thoughts of others. And my husband calls this the difference between creating and consuming. When I create my own thoughts, I can, uh, I'm in control of them as opposed to consuming somebody else's thoughts. And I, I recognize the irony here. People are listening to us in a, in a podcast as I'm telling them to maybe think about turning it off. Not this one. Don't turn this podcast off, but take a moment and, and sit in the silence. Another one is commute. You know, when I, I go visit my parents and I like to put on music or put on um, a podcast. And there's times when I think, you know what? Silence would be really, really nice here. And so I'll go 30 or 40 miles with nothing. And, um, I really try to take advantage too, of those silly little pockets of time, um, waiting for my daughter to come out of volleyball practice. Um, you know, last night I had, I had to replace my iPhone because I broke the screen for the 800th time and somebody was coming to the house to change it. I had about 10 or 15 minutes and I just sat there and there was nothing lost by that. I was able to just not do anything and sit in that moment. 
And so carving out that time for thinking is important. I agree. And listeners may have heard a little gap there in your recording because right after you said volleyball and daughter, there was a little <laughs> bit of a gap there. So I'll I'll keep going, Jen, in case our connection is a little bit weird today. But, um, you know, I, it's interesting for me because um, I am I am a person of habit. And so like you, I like to have my morning routines. Um, I do like to plug in when I'm running, but I do, I, I wrote that down, creativity versus consuming, because you're right, there are times when um, if I'm not plugged into something, then there, there, there's there's more that happens in here when I'm not, when I'm not listening. And sometimes listening does inspire me, um, but sometimes the silence can be, can speak, can, can be so helpful too. Um, I want to point listeners to a couple of resources too, Jen, that have been helpful for me. One is what I call, um, it's a life score assessment. Um, and I'll put a link to this. It's something that Michael Hyatt's group put together. I'll put a link to it in our show notes, but I like to do this life score assessment at the end of every calendar year. And I, when I'm coaching other friends or individuals or principals or leaders, I'll often share this assessment link with them and ask them to do it too. And then we'll talk about it together, but it really just manages 10 areas where it asks, it, it makes a statement and you score yourself based on that statement from one to seven. And what I like about it is it's not something that takes a lot of time, but it's a quick way to reflect. For instance, there might be a statement that says something like um, for the intellectual, and I'm not looking at it right now, so I'm not going to quote this, but it'll say something like, I'm committed to learning. I invest in my own learning. I take time to read regularly. I attend conferences and workshops because I want to continue to grow. And where where are you on that from one to seven? So when I mark that, it gives me a sense of like, hmm, am I really committed to learning? And where do I need to grow intellectually? And so that's just one area. And it does the same thing for, for a total of 10 areas. And so for me, that was a that's a helpful practice. Last year I sat down and I um marked 10 of those areas. And I sit down and I wrote out 10 statements of things I wanted to work on for each of those with some specific goals. And yeah, I know this sounds so boring, but I made smart goals, right? I, I set a date for certain things and I, I measured how, if I, if I reach this goal, this is what it, this is what it will look like, et cetera. Um, and then I reviewed those and, and I always carry um, a, a, a notebook around with me to keep notes in when I'm talking to people, et cetera. And I keep those goals in the front of my notebook. And when my notebook gets full and I start a new one, I copy that in the front of my next notebook so that I can review them as I'm carrying it around and, and, and I have time to see those things. But that's been a helpful practice. And so I've been working on that. Um, uh, we're recording this right after the new year. And so that's something I was working on, um, you know, over break, but also I'm still working on it because it's not something that I feel like ever gets done. I looked back at my 22, goals, Jen. And out of the 10 areas that I said, I only reached five of them. But you know what? I always tell myself this. I seriously doubt I would have reached those five had right. I not actually written something down and then worked towards it. And so for me, I set reading goals. I, I try to pick specific topics or things I want to learn during the year. And, and then I look for titles that will help me learn that. Um, I set the same kind of goals. Like last year, I set a an avocational goal because I realized that I was not spending a lot of time developing hobbies outside of work. And so I, I bought two bikes. I bought a bike for myself and any other family member who wanted to join me. And, uh, and so that was one of my avocational goals was to start biking regularly. And I did, and I love it. Um, and so, so giving yourself permission to look down the road of, of where do you want to grow and then giving yourself some 
some reflection on that and then setting specific goals to reach those and then putting things on your calendar because you and I both know, Jen, if you don't schedule it, it doesn't happen. Putting things on your calendar so that you can start pushing towards those goals too. Support for Principal Matters comes from Better Learning Education and its Summer Pops Math Workbooks. How are you helping your students stay sharp in their math skills, even during summer break? Many of you know that my wife is a former middle school math teacher. So when I was invited to review the Summer Pops Math Workbook series for grades two through seven, I asked her to take a look with me. And you know what we discovered? The Summer Pops Math Workbooks provide students with practices that are engaging, easy to use, and content-rich. Check it out for yourself. Go to summerpopsworkbooks.com and request free sample workbooks. Designed for students to use over the summer, all a child needs is the workbook and a pencil. Do not let your students experience summer slide. Visit summerpopsworkbooks.com to request free samples to review for yourself. Of course, if my wife likes it, you can trust. It is a great resource, but do not take my word for it. Go to summerpopsworkbooks.com today to request your free sample workbooks. Friends, I want to take a quick break here to ask you a question. Did you know that leaders learn better together? When we isolate ourselves from the input and inside of others, then we work within the limitations of our own ideas and experience. And that's why I'm so grateful that you're listening to this podcast right now. It's also why I want to keep you informed of upcoming episodes, as well as leadership academies, mastermind offerings, or executive coaching opportunities I'm making available to leaders like you. Go to williamdparker.com and check out the services link to learn more or Visit my website and select the subscribe button to be on the weekly Principal Matters mailing list. Thank you so much for learning together. Now let's jump back into the rest of today's episode. Yeah, I I, I love that. Um, I love everything that you said because it's it worked for you, right? That's mm-hmm. that's who you are. You know the bike story. That's something that you thought you'd like, and you um, gave yourself the tools for it, and then you did it, and you love it. That brings me to one of the resources that I love, which is um, Gary Chapman and Paul White's book about um, the the language of appreciation at work. We've probably all heard of this. And um, you might think, why is she talking about that with goals? Well, because it's about knowing yourself and it's about knowing who you are and what works for you. And so Paul White, or excuse me, Paul White and Gary Chapman um, kind of spun this off of the five love languages. And this is about um, the the language that works for you at work. Mm-hmm. And those are the acts of service, um, quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, or appropriate physical touch. And so if you kind of think, what is it that makes me feel valued and appreciated and successful, effective at my job, if you think about the, or in your life, in your personal life too, if you think about what is it that you need to feel like you are um, making the most of your space in this world, 
think about what it is you're looking for as you set goals. So, Will, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I assume when you bought those bikes, you were looking for connection with family. You were looking to get outside. You were looking to be physically fit. You were looking to breathe clean, fresh air and get your head right. And so you have to kind of think about what it is that your soul needs as you write these goals. And um, it's important. And I encourage everyone to not do what you think you should. This is a trap I fall into all the time. Even when you said buy a bike, I thought oh, I should buy a bike, <laughs> you know, and that's just a trigger reaction. I always have. If somebody else has reached a point of peace or contentment or success, I think, well, that's what I should do, right? I should do exactly that thing. No, 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 no. I should do the thing that is for me. What is it that I am looking for or my heart or my soul or my brain are looking for? What is that genuine need? What is the hole that hasn't been filled and how can I fill it? So this, the answer is different for every single listener we have. It's not, you know, there's not one magic potion that's going to have us all reach the best version of ourselves. So we have to find it. Jen, that's what I appreciate about you is you, you always do such a great reminder of what works for me may not be what works for you. And so, you know, even as we're talking to listeners, I, I know that there are so many different um, experiences and voices. Um, in fact, I was um, uh, talking to my daughter, Katie, who goes to school in Wales. Um, uh, over Christmas, I was talking to one of her classmates who was in our home, and she showed me a vision board. I'd never seen a vision board, but every year she sits down and she creates 10 images that she takes from Google or wherever. And those 10 images reflect the 10 things she wants to be shooting towards or working towards for a coming year. It was so powerful because I've never done that, but you know what? That works for her. Right. And, and, right. and so, and then at the end of each year, she reviews those images and writes a little note to herself on which ones she reached, which ones she didn't, and then sets a vision board for the coming year. And it's, it was so inspiring that one of my other daughters decided to do the same thing. And so, um, but you know, what works for one person may, may not work for another. There's another resource. I'm, I'm going to recommend a book that I just began because this is something that I came across when you and I were talking about um, transitions and leadership, which if anyone wants to go back and listen to those episodes before Christmas, Jen and I did a couple of episodes on transitions and leadership. And I referenced um, some research by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans called uh, Designing Your Life. And I, I've used what they call the Odyssey Plan, which is where you come up with three possibilities of pathways that you're interested in going down as you design some goals for a, a specific journey. Well, they've got a book that my one of my daughters bought me for Christmas, um, which is called Designing Your Life, How to Build a Well-Lived, Joyful Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. And um, I had already watched their YouTubes and I'd read um, their research online. But when I started, I started the book, uh, last night, Jen, um, not knowing, not thinking about the fact that we were going to be talking about this today, but it just happened that that's when I began the book and I couldn't put it down. It's, it is, it is just wonderfully researched by Stanford professors who have worked with young people and old people who keep saying the same thing to them over and over and over again, which is, I don't feel like I'm doing yet what I want to do. And what I've discovered is that I know a lot of people like that. If you get them alone, people will often express to you that there's some things that I still want to do. And that doesn't mean that they're 
that they're in the wrong place or that they've chosen the wrong vocation or that they've, they're on the wrong path. It just often means that they need to rediscover some things that bring them joy and rediscover some things, setting goals that will help them accomplish things that continue to, to help them to grow. Right. I'm, um, if, if people could see us, you saw me just laughing right there because the opposite of that is it's okay to admit things you hate. It's okay. Um, you know, there's things that you might see other successful people doing that bring them joy. And you might be like, that sounds horrible to me. <laughs> and that's okay. That's the wonderful part about living in a uh, place where freedom of choice is at our fingertips. So um, the reason I was chuckling, Will, is I was thinking farther about the bike example. And my parents' farm was at the bottom of the hill. And to get anywhere, I had to A, ride a bike, and B, I had to start with a hill. And I hated it. So um, my point being is if there's something that seems like it just wouldn't work for you and it's not going to bring you joy and it's not going to have you look back and say that was a well-lived life then find find a different path and um i i had not heard of this designing your life resource i'm going to dig into that i can't wait oh you're gonna like it jen can you talk a little bit about journaling and how that's been helpful for you Absolutely. I have a new wonderful idea for this year. I'm so excited to try it. And so far we're, um, as Will said, we, the year has just changed over to 2023. Although you might be hearing this in February, I started on January one with a new journal, uh, idea. I have always journaled, but I'm not someone that can write a lot because I get busy and I get bored, but the value that I find in journaling comes years later when I look back. Mm. So when I think about Katie's friend who did a vision board, I bet she gets great delight in looking at previous vision boards because it's a marker of where she was, what she was thinking at the time and where she's going. But, um, my journals are, um, you know, just quick bullet points of what happened or some things I'm thinking about. I always write down, um, what I have, what exercise I did for that day, just cause it makes me feel like I did something right with my body and my mind. So this year I have a favorite moment of the day journal. And it's just a moment that made me laugh, that made me think, that made me um, delighted. Yesterday, I was listening to my superintendent talk, talk to a big group of students, and he he said something that was all the things. It was honest. It was true. It was it was spot on. It was exactly what they wanted to hear. Um, and they all were, were laughing and like cheering and smiling, but it was kind of tongue in cheek too. So they knew they, they were like, wait, is, is he serious about this? It was a delightful moment of how the, the power of language and connecting with human beings, um, brings us all together. So I just wrote that moment down and I didn't, I know that I don't have to go into, I don't have to write a paragraph. I just wrote a couple of key details. And so my journal of favorite moment of the day, I'm going to have a 365 favorite moment. And let me tell you what I'm going to do with this. This is going to close the loop into goal writing. I'm going to look back and see the trend. What was it every day that brought me that delight? Mm -hmm. And that's going to tell me a little bit more about who I am. My hunch is that those moments will be points of connection with another human being yeah. or another creature. Cause I could see my dog making her way into this journal, but points of connection where my heart and my mind connected with someone else's, but that's going to be fun. And, and we'll have to circle back with podcast listeners and talk about the success of this, this journal idea, but that's what I'm going to do. I'll fill up my book that way. Hi friends. This is Will Parker. Have you ever received a gift that is so valuable, you wanted to share the joy of it with others. That's how I feel every time I learn something new from spending time with educators like the guests on this program and with educators like you. 
If today's episode gives you new ideas or inspiration, would you share the joy by rating this show on whatever podcast app you may be using? Or better yet, would you share this episode with a friend? I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And I just want to say thank you in advance for doing what matters. Wow. I, I feel like we've brought it full circle. If if someone's listening to this and they wanted like the scientific explanation to how to set goals and reach them, they probably didn't find that in our podcast. But I think what you may have discovered is that, Jen, I think you and I do have something in common, and that is both of us are pretty committed to reflection mm -hmm. and into trying to just stop in the moment and see things that we need to take notice of and then think back later. And that reminds me of another resource that I'll wrap up with, which was really helpful for me. I came across this a few years ago when I heard Pete Hall present, and Pete Hall is an ASCD author, but he and Alyssa Simmerall uh, wrote a book called Teach, Reflect, Learn, Building Your Capacity for Success in the Classroom. And what I appreciated about the book was I felt like it was a book for life, not just the classroom, because they discuss how that every great learning situation includes four stages. Stage one, you're unaware that you don't know what you don't know. Stage two is when you become aware, the conscious stage, you suddenly become aware of something that is pushing you, challenging you, or maybe that you're having to become, uh, that you need to hold on to or grab onto. And then the third stage is action. That new knowledge pushes you into doing something that maybe you've not done before. And then the last one is the refinement stage where you ask yourself the question, what did I just learn and what would I do differently the next time that I take that action? And what Pete was trying to describe in that book, and along with Alyssa, is that this is what we try to do with our students when we're classroom teachers. If you're a principal or a leader, this is what you should be trying to lead your school to be doing and your staff when you're leading professional development. But Jen, I also think this is what we should do in life is mm -hmm. ask ourselves those questions. What are we unaware of that we need to be aware of? And where can we start learning something that's going to spark that new idea? Then when it does, what's an action that I can take that I haven't taken before? And then I think what's just most important is how can I reflect on what I just did to ask myself, how can I do it better the next time? And that's how we grow. And so, you know, growth is more than our income. Incomes can be part of it. Growth is more than our physical strength. Physical strength can be part of it. I think really growth is connected to a word that I don't hear a lot of people use anymore, but I, I'm just going to use it, wisdom, which is over time, becoming a little bit clearer on the things that you see and understand in the, in the perspective that you have, not because any of us ever figure it out, but because we just want to keep getting better. And so, Jen, as we wrap up, anything else you want, you want to add to that, feel free. But I, I'm always glad to talk about setting goals because it brings me a lot of joy. I do love that they're, the end of Hall and Simmerall's process is refine. Um, we use the word reflect a lot and that's a powerful word, but refined implies getting better, getting better, getting better, working on it. You know, um, in this process, you don't want to look back and say, okay, how'd that go? Okay, we're done because you always want to continue to grow. So um, probably not necessary to say that, but it really did resonate with me. So, so thank well, you. Jen Schwanke, as we wrap up, people may be listening to this as you're in Oklahoma, because this is going to come out it uh, around the beginning or middle of February and February 8th and 9th, Jen Schwanke is coming to Oklahoma for the COSA OASSP OMLEA Leadership and Learning Conference along with Dr. Don Parker. And so Jen, I 
am just so excited to finally be able to learn in person after all these years that we've done virtual learning. Oh, and we have another announcement. Uh, I think we could talk about the end of March, ASCD is hosting its national conference. You want to tell listeners what's the exciting news we have then? Well, there's going to be a couple fancy people there. Fancy, fancy people. Not really. It's going to be Will and I. We're going to present together on building trust and having um, having strong, effective relationships with with your staff. So more information coming out on that. But yeah, we'll be in Denver. So anybody coming to ASCD will have a chance to come and fill the room with the two of us. Yes. Well, Principal Matters listeners, I just want to say thank you for the time that you've spent listening and learning with Jen and me today. If you have questions or feedback or you just want to connect with us, you can reach out to us at our email addresses at will at williamdparker.com or jen at jenschwanke at gmail.com. Did I get it right, Jen? You did. Yep. So until (laughs) next time, thanks for doing what matters and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks everyone. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about leadership academies, mastermind offerings, and executive coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead, or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at will at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together today. And thanks again for doing what matters.